Miller Lite, the official beer partner of your Philadelphia Phillies, is proud to serve as presenting sponsor of WIP's High Hopes Pod. So whether you're listening to the game, catching up on the latest High Hopes Pod, or at the ballpark, remember it tastes like Miller time, Phillies fans. Celebrate responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. I am James Seltzer coming to you live from the WIP studios. Usually... I get to look in this guy's face, look in his eyes when I'm talking to him and to really, really know how he's feeling and what he's saying. But today, today he wanted to be on so bad that he was willing to do it over the phone for us. Just back from Chicago. I think he might still be drunk. Let's find out. The one and only Mr. Jack Fritz. Fritzy. You wanted to, you wanted to look in my eyes just like the, the Gabe Kapler should do with the Phillies players. And stop using these analytics, right? <laughs> That's what I, I hear, Jack. That's what I hear. I was in Chicago. So, listen, let me preface this whole podcast by saying that uh, I watched some of the Phillies. But, like, honestly, you got to understand that it was my bachelor party. I didn't have to watch the Phillies. I watched most of the games. I tried my best. I was at the game on Thursday in Chicago. I was, I was chirping, even though uh, the Phillies lost. And yeah, my hangover just kicked just in time for this podcast. So uh, it's, it's going to be a good one. I feel energized. Like sometimes, like now that I'm older, like I, I start to realize that hangovers last longer. Like when I was in college, they never really affected me. Now it's like, wow, that was a lot. Now I'm good. We're good. Yeah. We're, we are back from Chicago. We are heading to work. Excited to uh, you know get back on track. Jack, you're talking to a 36-year-old. You don't even know what a hangover is, all right? Uh, At your age, I could go for a week straight, no problem. And now it is literally, I'm I'm out for days, days at a time after a night of drinking. So enjoy it it while you got it. It was 72 hours of just drinking. So I think that would knock out anyone. Well, back in the day, I would have been able to handle it. (laughs) Not as much anymore. I'd still try, though. That's where I'm at. I'll try. I I know the pain's coming, but I'll try anyway. Speaking of pain, I don't think you missed too much over the weekend, Uh, though I do later on. We're going to get your your review of Wrigley Field as as a baseball man himself. First experience going to Wrigley Field. I definitely want to hear about that, but... Can I just say that I didn't stop smiling the whole time? (laughs) That's what I would hope. I mean, that, that should be the reaction for any baseball fan going to Wrigley for the first time. But more important things to talk about, Jack, is people are starting to panic a little bit. I was starting to get that feeling today on on WIP. We're getting into the whole Gabe Kapler's too positive. I'm tired of the positivity when this team's getting their ass kicked. Uh, rough weekend for the team. They bounced back, salvaged the series with the 4-3 to win yesterday, but not so great on Friday and Saturday. 12-3, to 12-4, or vice versa. Flip those around. Didn't matter. The Brewers were putting up runs. Been a bit of a slide. 4-11 uh, and 11 over the last 15 games. The month of June is we expected it to be tough. Off to a 2-7 and seven start. It hasn't gone so well. Where are you at right now from a macro perspective with this Phillies team? Are you worried? How concerned are you? All that type of stuff. 
Well, like, I don't want to say... Like, I, I knew there was going to be a regression, even when they were playing really well, just because like, I didn't think the staff was that great. Uh, I didn't expect the hitting to be as bad as it is. And i tell you what, it's the, the bullpen is really starting to show some cracks. Like, obviously, Sir Anthony is amazing, but outside of Sir Anthony, I don't think I can trust anyone else in a, in a big spot. Like, I think they all have... The weird thing is that they all have great stuff. They all have great stuff. 90, like Adam Morgan is a legit 97 from the left side with a really good slider. And Jason Hayward, who hasn't caught up to a fastball in seven years, <laughs> catches up to a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. It, I, it was unbelievable. So, like, it just feels like they're, they're not as good as their early record was suggesting. I also don't think they're as bad as this. Um, but the offense has been in a funk for, for over a month now. And it's, 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 it's starting to get legitimately concerning. And they're not even, like, it, it feels more like a chore to watch the Phillies right now than it did in, in, the, in the last couple of months. Like, right now, I'm just like, this team is so, like, frustrating to watch on a night-in, night-out basis. I'm not completely jumping off the bandwagon, but I think it's fair to be super, super kind of infuriated at how this team's playing. It feels like there's no, there's no emotion. It feels like they're just kind of going through the motions. Listen, me and you are me, you and Jay, and John are all pro Dubal. Hashtag pro Dubal. His his batting average has dropped like eighty points yeah. in the last month. It's like two eighties now. He's in the two eighties. He was batting three sixty one. Jack. He looks. He just. He looks different. It looks like he's. And this is what happens with the Dubal. Is like sometimes he just doesn't look fully engaged. And I'm worried that we're going through one of those spells now where he doesn't look fully engaged. Uh, I understand the positivity thing from Kassler. I can understand where that's frustrating. Uh, from a fan base as they're watching his teams get their doors blown in on a night-in, night-out basis. Uh, but I don't have a huge problem with it. I just want to make sure there is some kind of uh, uh, some guy that can drop the hammer when the, the hammer needs to be dropped. And maybe that's Rob Thompson. Maybe that's someone else the staff. I'm fine with Kapler being that way with the media because like, the, the players don't really benefit much from getting bombarded in the media. Um, that just kind of kills the locker room. So I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But behind closed doors, I need him laying the hammer down on some players because, like, it, it, it's it right now is just unacceptable. Yeah, I feel the same way, and I, I, I literally the same way with the Kapler stuff in the sense that. I don't care at all what he says to the media. He's clearly a positive guy. He brings a positive mentality to to meeting with the media. Who cares? It doesn't bother me at all. I understand when you see your team give up 12 runs on back-to-back days, you want to see the manager come out and be fired up and be angry about it and not just have this, ah, you know. I think the problem is he'll come out and he'll start a press conference off with, well, it was a hell of a sixth inning. I thought we really looked good playing. And, you know, stuff where it's like, dude, you got slammed today. Bring the reality of what happened. So I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, I don't care at all. I, yeah. In general, I like Kapler's approach from a public. What he's talked to the media, for the most part, I've liked what he's had to say, the way he's responded to criticism. I think all that's been positive. Yeah, but at the same time, though, I don't think players are dumb. And and being in a, being in a locker room, like, this is going to sound so whatever, but like my freshman year at Bloomsburg, we were, we were bad. And we were just like, we were questioning certain things, and we'd see these things, and then... You know, we, we, we would talk amongst ourselves. So it's, it's kind of naive to say that uh, players, like, don't understand. Like, players understand when players suck. Like, 
our sophomore year at Bloom, our, uh, uh, the pitching staff was unbelievable, and the hitting was terrible. So, like, our coach pulled aside all the pitchers, and he was like, listen, I know, I know that right now you guys are shoving, and the hitters aren't really backing it up. Just stick with us. Don't try to make this a pitchers versus hitters kind of thing. Um, so, like, it's, it, players aren't dumb is my point. And I understand, like, the whole media thing. Like, it's fine. I just want to make sure that behind closed doors it's not just like la-di-da, it's okay. Like, I don't know. Well, that, well that's the key. No, well, that's the key. And that's kind of what I was saying as well is that I'm fine with his public approach. Behind yeah. closed doors it has to be different. You know, you can't be going into the locker room and saying, hey, you know, great at bat in the sixth inning when you lost 12 to four, 12 to three or whatever. I'm with you. I, I think that my point being that as long as the what we're seeing uh, him say to the media and that type of mentality, as long as it's different buying closed doors and when he needs to get fiery, he can, then it's not as much of an issue to me. It's if the the guy that's talking to the media after the game is also the guy who's addressing the team after the game. That's a bigger issue for me. And like you said, maybe it is someone like Rob Thompson or someone else who brings the hammer and they do a good cop, bad cop type of thing. That works too. But I agree. Either way, the hammer has to be brought down on these guys. And Arietta tried to do it, obviously, in a public forum. Maybe not the best way to go about it. But you understand where he's coming from. As a veteran guy calling out a team that needs to be called out. Like you said, man, they, they have just not played with the same type of fire and the same type of aggressiveness and all that type of stuff that they they have to bring. This team isn't going to score runs unless they're being aggressive on the base pass, unless they're taking that extra base, doing all that type of stuff. And to your Oduble point, look, uh, he's always been this type of guy, right? He's always been someone who's had amazing highs, amazing hot streaks, and then amazing lows at the same time. So I don't think it's that surprising, but... At the same time, like you said, they, they need to do something about it. And you could see the precipitous decline, especially when this offense really was relying on only Odubo Herrera up until now. You need that guy to come through. And when he's struggling, it just it, it emphasizes how much the offense as a whole has struggled. One positive, though, and we talked a lot about it when they lost him, and not just the importance of the bat in the lineup, but of the leadership on the team Reese Hoskins' return. Is the return of Reese Hoskins alone enough to turn this offense around, Jack? Well, I think the Reese Hoskins thing, it just makes them deeper and lets guys settle into a role. And even though he was struggling, he was still a presence. And I think it just kind of lets everyone take a big sigh of relief. I mean, when he was out of the lineup in San Francisco, they scored one run, and it was by a pitcher who hit a home run. And it just feels like when you have a guy like Reese that you can rely upon, He's been a leader everywhere he's been. I just think that even if he's not fully performing, it just lets everyone else kind of take a deep breath. So, yeah, I think it'll definitely help. Um, and I just want to say one more thing on the Kapler thing that I just thought about while driving. Um, like, the positivity thing kind of it, – it may make guys become complacent and not push as hard because they know that that they can just – that he'll be, still be positive. Like, think about when – you would have a substitute teacher in, in class. And, I mean, I know that was, what, like 30 years for you ago? Uh, uh, but Very, very, like, very good. Thank you. Very good. When you have a I need a little teacher. rim shot, a little bum bum. Very well done. When, when you have a substitute teacher, you know, they, it just, it, they, they can't really do it. They have no really power. The power is taken away from the teacher. And it just feels like maybe they're, when, when there's so much positivity, they just feel like they can get away with more. And there's no one really being held accountable. There's no accountability. 
And I just I, I want I want to make sure there's actual accountability because it, it seems like there's a, they're a very undisciplined team. They they're they're a pretty dumb team. Yeah. And like I don't know. I just want to make sure that there's some kind of accountability. And I think that's where Arietta. That's what he most- said, right? I mean, that's that quote unquote. That's what he said. I, I think you're dead on with that. I think Arietta was calling out for accountability from top to bottom, as he said. And I think we went so far as to say, if, if there isn't, I'll make sure there is. And I, part of that is why we were so pro Arietta's comments in the sense that I think you're dead on, Jack. This is a young team. This is a team that needs to know that certain things are not okay, that, that you have to be accountable for your actions. And I, I think you make a great point. Look, we don't know one way or the other if that's really what's happening behind closed doors, but... If Kapler is this relentlessly positive guy at all times and struggles to criticize, then yeah, I think that could be a real issue because there again, no accountability if you if you're not being taken to task for the mistakes you're making. So um, and the defense thing, like I know guys are playing out of position, but like there's been, like no, it's been, you're right. You mentioned it. It's sloppiness. It's mistakes. It's not covering bases. It's being in the wrong position. All that type of stuff that has to stop. Like sometimes, sometimes like manager just has to ream out a team. Like, and if you ream out a team in, in private, obviously it's private. Guys kind of just like nut up a little bit, and the Phillies have needed to nut up for like for like a month now. Yeah, and it, there's been nothing. The defense is so sloppy now. I think JP Crawford being back has kind of just like I don't know, maybe just me watching, but the defense looks way better with Crawford, Crawford out there. He's just so much more smooth and like looks like a natural out there. Um, but like the mental mistakes are piling up and like the mental mistakes are, are, that's something that every player can personally deal with. Like mental mistakes are personal physical, physical mistakes kind of just happen sometimes. Mental mistakes are inexcusable. Like that's just not being in a game. That's not being focused. And when they come to the, come to the, come to the dugout and Gabe's like, Hey man, it's all right. Like it's okay. Like still not a bad throw, man. Or like something like that. Right. It doesn't really, it doesn't really help the player. I agree with you. Well, especially when you look at this team that they need to do that little stuff to win games. You know, we've seen that, you know, whether it's taking the extra base, whether it's just sound fielding, all that type of stuff, they can't afford to give up runs. This team doesn't hit well enough. They haven't done enough from an offensive perspective to give away any runs and they give away runs. It seems like every night. So I think that's a great point on the Kapler thing as a whole, though. I am. I am I'm really happy with the way he handles player issues in the media. I think it is the right move by him to not openly criticize guys in the public unless they need a kick in the butt. But I think we're getting to that point where you can only continue to do the same thing in the same public, you know, public excuses, whatever you want to use. You can only do it for so long before it starts to just sound like BS. And I think that for a lot of Phillies fans, that's starting to be where we're getting to, which also, you know, if you take a step back, this team is 33-30 and 30 right now. You look at last season, take a guess when they won their 33rd game last year, Jack. Ah, uh, like June 30th? July 21st. <laughs> July 21st. It is now June the 11th, so at the same time, and, and I, you've said this a lot, I love that fans are upset about this because it means that they care again. They care about this team again, and it had been a long time since people were invested on in the day-to-day actions of this Phillies team. So I think that's a really positive thing. But with that comes more scrutiny and more 
you know, uh, more of this type of stuff. So, again, I'm happy people are back, but I also want them to have the perspective that is necessary in the sense that this is still a really young team. 33 and 30 is a pretty damn good record for them right now. And they're headed into in the midst of the toughest part of their schedule all season long. So they just need to, to find a way to maintain. You know, they need to, to keep their water level where it is at. As Jack Fritz says, it'll always find its level. They just need to stay level right now. They just need to find their way through June and then they can make some games up. We always see it every year, right? You want to be the hot team in, in September. That, that's the, the formula for making a run is be that hot team that wins a wild card in September. Right now, it's not as big a deal if they're struggling. The, the issue is they could fall way out. If they continue on this path, we're at 2-7 and seven in June, and it only gets harder. The Rockies coming to town. We'll get to that. But then they've got the Brewers again, the best record in the National League. The Cardinals, a, a wild card team right now. The Nationals in first place again. Then the Yankees, the best record in baseball right there with the Red Sox. And then back to the Nationals. So it, it's getting harder, not easier, Jack. How do you feel about this team right now? Is this the type of thing where do you think we're going to look back at the end of June and say, all right, they, they made it through that gauntlet and now they just got to start winning some games? Or is it the possibility that come July 1st, we're like, well, they're out of it now? Well, I just, I just don't know how, I just don't know how they're going to win games unless they get really good starting pitching during this run because the offense has just been, it's been that bad. And like, I understand the, the whole record 33 and 30 thing, and that's great. Like, it's, it's fine that they're a good baseball team, but they haven't played well in over a month, or it feels like it's been a month. They've kind of and they've been beating up on bad opponents. So I think a lot of Phillies fans are looking at this team as well. The record's not really, you know, it's not what they're really playing as. They're not really playing like a thirty-three and thirty team. It's the record's great, and I'm happy that they're in it. But it just, to me, it just doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that they're thirty-three and thirty because they feel like a bad baseball team right now. And it's the defense, it's the pitching, it's the hitting, it's the bullpen. So like, if they can, if we can start seeing some signs of life. I might start saying, like, hey, you know, they'll, they'll still be in it. But I just can't. I, if they play like how they've been playing, and I don't think they will, I, they're going to be out of the race. Like, they just are. They, you're playing against some of the best teams in the league that have more talent than you, and you're, you're making dumb mistakes on top of that. So unless they can start turning things around on offense and some of the stuff Maley's teaching and can, can figure it out and, all, and uh, like, Reese can get back to where he was hitting, a doable can get him back focused. Yeah, but... I can't say right now definitively that I think they're going to be in the race when this whole run's over because they're playing a bunch of good teams. They're not playing like a good team. And the pitching staff isn't carrying them. And, and frankly, it's with Velasquez and Eflin, who you never know what you're going to get on a night and night out base. I think Pavetta, Nola, and Arietta are going to be pretty good. You can pretty much rely on those guys. But then, I don't know. And the bullpen's become a, become a problem, even though they're all talented. I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty frustrated with where this team is at. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, especially, and, and I think maybe doing so well early on and getting to, you know, close to 10 games above 500, being in first place at one point, maybe has kind of gotten people uh, a little bit unrealistic with what this team actually was in the first place. So right. I, I think you make a really good point there. I, I personally, again, I, I think these next this next week or so against the Rockies, a team coming in where they need to take advantage of playing the Rockies right now. They're the worst team on the schedule for the rest of this month. And if they can't take advantage of the Rockies, then I'm going to be really, 
you know, starting to to really doubt what this team. And again, this is a series in June, so it's hard to. It's one of those things where it's really tough to overreact too much because we know what baseball is, and I've seen it so many times where a 500 team goes into the month of July and that team ends up 15 games above 500 by the end of the season. So uh, you can see that. You could see how the, the season could head that way. But I think right now when you look at the youth, the way they've played, the and I, I think you hit on a real, the really important thing is it would be a lot easier to accept it if they weren't killing themselves, if they weren't playing sloppy baseball, if, again, like, how many times do we have to see someone not covering a base at this point? Uh, that's a t- I, if People get so mad at Kapler about the pitching changes or the shifts. They should be getting mad at him about the fundamentals. If you want to rip Kapler, rip your team for not having a guy cover third and Chris Bryant could just take third base because there's no one there. That's the type of stuff that I get angry about from a coaching perspective. The type of stuff that they need to do a much better job about. Again, going back to that earlier point, they can't afford it. They can't keep doing these things if they want to win games, especially against the best teams. Jack, you brought up the bullpen. I wanted to hit on that real quickly because that has been something that for a while there we felt was something we could really count on. Because of the talent you've mentioned, and and we've seen a lot of these guys pitch well for the majority of the season, but... It's starting to be a problem the last few weeks. The Sir Anthony of it all obviously has been by far the best arm in the pen, but it's created a situation where you almost feel like there's no one else you can count on right now except Sir Anthony, and it's putting him into situations where 41 pitches, I mean, and, and I was fine with him bringing him in there, but that's a lot of pitches, you know, and then you you don't have him, and, and granted you have an off day today, but are we getting, A, are we getting to the point where you're starting to worry about how Sir Anthony is being used and his ability to maintain over the course of the season if he's going to be used like this and then a follow-up to that being you know the bullpen as a whole there's no closer right now there's no one you feel good about in that in that role and and again you know Gabe resorting to to the one out saves again and that was the right move to bring Hunter in there but the bullpen as a whole something we used to count on where are you at right now well let me just start let's talk about Sir Anthony for like five seconds because <laughs> the only five seconds I think I think I think the MLB allowing him to throw a 91-mile-an-hour changeup coming off of a 99-mile-an-hour cutter should be illegal. I think I think they should really look into it and maybe ban him from throwing a changeup because it's just unfair. And I feel bad for the hitters. And it's just like, I don't know how you're going to hit this guy if he's throwing a 91-mile-an-hour changeup. Like, it's just, it's bad for baseball for him being this good. And uh, I think the MLB should really consider uh, not letting him throw a changeup. Sound good? Yeah, I think that's a fair deal. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but I like the thought. I like that you're looking out for everybody like that. Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah. I'm just looking for the pace of play. I want to make sure that, that the hitters have a chance because they just don't have a chance to be throwing a 91 mile an hour It's a really was, fair point, man. It's a fair point. Yeah, thank you. Um, he is he is really good. But they are throwing him a lot, and they're using him a lot. And I mean, they have to use him because he's their best bullpen piece. I think it feels uh, think like Tommy only Hunter, right now. The problem is it feels like only bullpen piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing: is that I think Tommy Hunter started round into round into shape. I know that everyone was just crapping on Tommy Hunter when he's coming uh, off the DL. I think he's starting to, to turn into someone they can trust more and more. I know that, like for some Phillies fans, they just can't believe that. But he's he's a good pitcher. He's been a good pitcher. He's gonna be fine. Uh, yeah, the history of Tommy Hunter says that he will figure this out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So not worried about him. I think he's starting to figure it out. I think he's really tough against lefties and with that cutter in. But anyway, besides him, like I don't know. 
I don't think there's anyone that coming into a ball game where I'm like, all right, they've got this. Like he's fine. Uh, I mean, Edebrey a little bit. Luis Garcia, no. Adam Morgan, I wish, but I can't see that either. What happened to Adam Morgan? I mean, I felt great about him the vast majority of the season, and now you know you, you you clench your cheeks when he comes into a game. But he should be good. Like I, I don't understand how he's bad. Like he's throwing ninety-seven with a a wipeout slider. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't either. You're the, you're the pitching expert, Fritz. I think he's, I think he's throwing too many four seams. I wish it isn't, his fastball doesn't really move, and I know it's like lefty and lefty, so it should theoretically just work, but clearly it didn't when Jason Hayward, who again hasn't come to a fastball in seven years, can park 97 from the left side out. Like, that's clearly a problem. That's, that's, not, on, that's not on pitching. It's on, that's on you, Adam Morgan. Um, I don't know. I, the bullpen, it's just like, it's not good. I don't trust them. I don't they they continuously crap down their legs in big moments. And I think that's where I've been more frustrated with, with the whole run right now. It's like they've had chances in big moments and big games to to, to show teams that they're legit yep. and they've continuously crapped down their legs. Yep. The example number one being in Chicago with with the Luis Garcia or the the, the home run of Jason Hayward. And then yeah. the next game after that, just uncompetitive again. Yeah, and we, we saw it before ha- that the Hector Neris blowing that save. They come back to beat Scherzer. That was a game against the Nationals. You take that series if you win it. We've seen it over and over and over again this series or this season. They've blown. They've blown at least four games. Yep, that they should have won. Well, Neris has blown handily. three, and Morgan blew that one. So that's four alone. Yeah, yeah. So like that's why I don't feel as good about this team either. Is that when they've had a chance to rise to the occasion. They just cracked on their leg. They, they don't look like they're ready for a big stage, big moment on the road. Like that's that's the mark of a good team. I, let's bring up the Eagles for a second. Like the Eagles, the, 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 Doug's first year, they were terrible on the road, and they they looked like they didn't know what they were doing on the road. Second year, the moment I started believing that they were a legit Super Bowl contending team was when they went down to Carolina and won that game in a tough road environment on national TV. The Phillies right now have been in L.A and Chicago and against the Nationals and had have had a chance to, to, to take series and they have crapped down their leg. So, I don't know. I'm very frustrated. I'm really mad at this team. Like, I just want them to be better. Yeah, I can tell, man. And, and it's coming through and I think that you're speaking what a lot of Phillies fans are feeling right now. Like, especially for, for a, a fan base that was just starting to get back into this team and Granted, you know, some of us were around the whole time, but I understand if, if, if you know, they've been a bad product for the last yep. few years. So people are finally starting to get excited, getting starting to get interested in. It's, a, it's frustrating when you lose games like that. It's frustrating when you have games that are won, that are over. You're up 7-5 in the ninth, or excuse me, 5-3 to three in the ninth. You lose it 7-5. Like, that shouldn't happen. That is, it is incredibly frustrating, especially when, when potentially the worst left-handed hitter in baseball is going yard and a <laughs> grand slam off the lefty. So I'm with you in a macro sense there. I also, I think that, again, to go back to that point, I think that we might be slightly harsh too harsh on this team because uh, for those reasons I think a lot of people were excited to be back in and they start losing games and we forget it's a young team it's a first year manager it is all that type of stuff and and I think ultimately you know maybe not as talented offensively as we thought or at least not ready to be I still believe in in a lot of the guys who are struggling long term you know I'm not out on Kingery I'm not out on Crawford I'm not out on any of those guys but I do 
Yeah, can we just talk? Can we talk about the freaking? There's just there's a weird narrative out there right now that like the Carlos Santana signing was like a bad signing, and like I don't I don't understand like why Carlos Santana is being like the scapegoat for this entire thing. Like Carlos Santana is putting up the stats that he's always put up. Like he's batting two thirty with a three fifty five OEP. He was batting. 180 a month ago, and he's been the he's been batting him at 300s in all of May. Like, where is this? Where is this anti Carlos Santana like major bus signing narrative coming from? Like, we get we get three calls a night saying, uh, "Man, they shouldn't have signed Santana." I'm just like, what? Like, what is what? Why? He's been one of their best offensive players and a team that can't hit. And like, what? What's the problem with Carlos Santana? Because because Williams isn't getting enough at bat, or they haven't figured out the outfield. I'm sorry. It's because they're ruining Reese Hoskins, putting him in left field, Jack. You didn't know that? It's going to ruin his career. Reese Hoskins had had 1,000 OPSs his first month of the season playing left field. I think he's fine uh, from the hitting perspective, the hitting side of things. And, like, the fact that people are bringing up Nick Williams as as an honest answer as to why they should have signed Carlos Santana, I just think that's so stupid. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and look, we've we've been big uh, Carlos Santana supporters on this show for the most part, just saying, hey, he'll get to where he always does, and we're seeing that he's getting there. The last month plus, he's hit like the guy you expect him to be. The power hasn't been quite there as much as you would like it to be, but no one on the team has really been bringing it from that perspective. But look, I'm with you. I, I think that a lot of people had penciled Reese Hoskins as the future first baseman of the Phillies in their minds. And then they move into left field, and, and people just overreact. People take that way too seriously. That that's going to mess up his development or something. Left field's the easiest position on the field to play. They're asking him to do less out there. He has to worry less about defense. And granted, it's not his natural position, so whatever. I, I'm with you 100% on that. I think that's part of the the reason that people are so against the Santana move and I think it's also that you know he's the the highest paid guy on the team from an offensive perspective I think people expect more from him I don't think people knew what what type of hitter Carl Santana was either I think they expect him to be this you know middle of the lineup monster who's gonna hit 35 40 homers that's not who he is he's never been that guy he's a guy who gets on base a lot that's the type of hitter he is, and he'll get you some big hits when you need him. But I think the people have kind of expected things from Carlos Santana that he's not going to bring, and he was never going to bring. But I, I think when you look at this offense, I mean, imagine where they would be without Carlos Santana right now. You want Altair and Nick Williams playing every day? Because I don't. <laughs> they certainly haven't looked like they should be from that perspective. And I understand on a on a general level the argument of, hey, this team isn't going to win the World Series Play the young guys, get development, get reps. And I, I, as a general principle, I'm all for if young guys are going to be in the major leagues, play them every day, get them those reps, get them to where they need to be. Uh, but I think that's only if you think Nick Williams is a long-term answer on this team. I know you don't, Jack. So I think that people are, are misunderstanding the, 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 what they're trying to do long-term and also maybe putting a little too much belief in guys who might not deserve that belief. Either way, Carlos Santana, in my mind, a necessary part of this offense. Well, it just makes him deeper, and it makes him more versatile in theory if they were all, if they could all start hitting. They just haven't hit. I mean, he'd, just be, he'd be a fine cog in a good lineup. Right now, I think people are expecting him to be like this Ryan Yes, <laughs> well, it's kind of the Odubel thing, right? In that 
for years, people just expected so much out of this guy because he's the only good player on the team. And I think that's kind of led to, to the general way people always give the guy so much crap for everything he does because for years that's what they did or for two, three years, whatever, because he was the only guy anyone cared about on the team. So they picked him apart far more than they should have. And I, I think that's carried over to, to now in the way that people are never really happy with Odubel. I feel like people really are never happy with baseball teams in general. True. Like, it's weird because, like, like we on the High Host podcast, we try to be, like, fun and excited about the team. And just the majority of baseball fans that I've talked to are mostly just like, this guy sucks, bullpen's terrible, uh, no one can hit. It's weird. It's really weird. The, the, I've thought a lot about the philosophy of the baseball fans in the last couple of weeks. And, like, it's just never positive. It's just always the manager sucks. And, like, it's weird because now we're getting to the point of the season where guys are settling into roles and, like, the bullpens have, like, there's just stereotypes about this team already. And I think people still think the stereotype is that Carlos Santana was a bad signing. And I just, I just don't understand why. It's not like, it's not like they're blocking, like, Andrew Benintendi or Bryce Harper from playing right field. Like, it's Nick Williams. Or Aaron Altair. Like, it's fine. Just wait until Adam Hazley comes up in a couple months, I hope. I don't know. It's just, it's just like, it was weird. I, I, the the anti-Carlos Santana thing is just, I'm just, I was just really surprised by it. You should have said my son, Adam Hazley. I'm shocked you didn't bust that one out. Jack's child, Adam Hazley, for those who didn't know. No, no, he's not my child. He's Andrew Benintendi 2.0. That's <laughs> you think he's better looking than Benintendi, which is a bad well, take by you. Of course he's better looking than oh, Benintendi. It's crazy talk. All right, we don't have a lot of time left, Jack. Real quick, um, we mentioned him before, but in passing, I wanted to get your take on Eflin real quick because, I mean, for what it's worth, this team is 2-7 and seven in June. Zach Eflin is 2-0 and oh in June, so there's something huh. there. But he has looked better. I think if you want to look for something, a, a positive sign, the strikeout rate is higher. I know Kapler talked about having Eflin go back and look at the swings and misses he's gotten and seeing if there's any sort of pattern there. And he has had a higher swing and miss rate this year as well. Is there anything you're seeing from Eflin that makes you a little more bullish than you've been in the past? Well, I, I, I've said uh, on previous podcasts that I I was higher on Eflin than most just because like, I, I saw him starting to spot 95 on both sides of the plate, which we had never really seen from him before. Uh, and then he got hit around a little bit, and yeah, you know, a lot of that had to do with with him not being able to locate like he was. Uh, I'm, I'm still semi. I'm I'm fine with Eflin. I just don't know how sustainable it is because his, his off speed is not very good at all. Like with Pavetta last year, it was this guy throws hard and he has a wicked wicked slider, so you can see it developing into something. But Eflin. I don't really see the off-speed as much. Now, he could be good for a couple of starts because his fastball is 95 and it's climbed both sides of the plate and he's just hard to square up. But for me to really, really get excited about him, I need to see sharper break to his off-speed stuff and maybe a change-up or something in there. Now, I'm not giving up on him. I just, I, I'm not fully, fully bought in. Yeah. But, yeah, he's, he's fine. I feel exactly the same way. He's a fifth starter. I love the increased velocity. The, the swings and misses are great, but... I need to see Zach Eflin do it for a season before I'm actually going to believe he's anything more than that. And look, even what we've seen, you know, his best outing this past one, nine strikeouts, he looked great. The outing before he struck out two guys. So let's not get too carried away. Even though they won the game, 
I'm with you. We haven't seen a consistency. And like you said, you've said many times, there is a big difference between increased velocity and having a fastball that moves. And in any situation, you're taking the fastball that moves. And Zach Eflin's fastball, no matter how fast it's coming in there, doesn't seem to move too much. Jack, one other thing I want to get into before we get out of here. The All-Star voting has come out and... It looks like no Phillies are starting the All-Star game. I think that we could, we can say that pretty safely. Odubo Herrera, the only one even on the sheet, he is the ninth highest ranked outfielder. Obviously, that's fan voting, all that type of stuff. Who really cares about that? But when you look at this team, Jack, from that perspective, Aaron Nola, Odubo Herrera, is there anyone else who, with a hot month and a half, you think has a chance to be playing in the All-Star game? They're Anthony Dominguez. Boom. Put him in the All-Star game. He's only allowed one run. Like, how do you not put him in the All-Star uh, Well, game? here's the thing. If they really cared about winning All-Star games, that's what they would do. The manager would have Josh Hader on the staff. You'd have Sir Anthony Dominguez on the staff. You'd have the guy, Kirby Yates, whoever it is. You have these guys. Archie Bradley. Who, Archie Bradley. Guys who get outs in the middle of a game, a, a game that is a bullpen game, essentially. You would think they would go that direction. We haven't seen that nearly enough. I think Hader makes it, though, uh, uh, having one of the – better reliever seasons we've seen in a long time and we'll get to see more josh Hader this weekend all right jack before we get out of here is vince quinn is literally staring at me through the uh the window of the studio no i'm kidding he's not vince waiting patiently to use the studio after us but we're taking a little extra time because we love the high hopes listeners way more than we love vince quinn so that, well, much, that much like baseball there's no time limit on the high hopes podcast. i love it i love it all right jack before we get out of here uh quickly looking ahead and we will be back before the weekend series against the brewers so let's focus off day to day on monday but then Big series the next three games with the Rockies coming to town. The one thing you have been able to count on for the most part, 20-11 and 11 at home, the Phillies still a good home team. Uh, how do you feel about this series? It's Aaron Nola versus John Gray tomorrow. Tyler Anderson on the hill against uh, Nick Pavetta on uh, Wednesday. And then Thursday, I believe, German Marquez against the aforementioned Zach Eflin. What do you think about those matchups? Ooh, I, li- I like German Marquez. That'll be fun. I'm, He's got I'm some stuff. Uh... Rockies have what? They're second in the NL West or first in the NL West? They are now third, I believe. Maybe even fourth. Is the NL West has had a lot of shakeup. Every single team is within three games of each other, but pretty sure the Giants and the Dodgers both passed them. As it is, the Rockies are one game under five hundred. Yeah, it's a big series. It's a big series for sure. Uh, the Rockies, obviously, they have a, a pretty potent offense. Per usual. Uh, but their staff... I guess that, 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 the pitching matchup this weekend should definitely, or this week, should, should favor us. John Gray is just, John Gray should be so much better. And oh like, my God, he's so good and he just can't put it together. The talent he, is all there. He could be like, he could be like the center guard of the West, but he just doesn't do it. Yep. Uh, and it's uh, funny too because you look at his splits, it's not a pitching and course thing. He actually, at least recently, has pitched better at course, which is crazy. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's a really, really important series. Get back on track. They've been a pretty good home team. And, unfortunately, we're probably not going to have great crowds because everyone's so mad at the team. But uh, hopefully they, they can stabilize a little bit. Uh, and I'm mad we're not seeing Kyle Freeland. I want to see what he looks like. I like Kyle Freeland, theoretically. Um, but, yeah, no, important series. Uh, interested to see how they pitch Charlie Blackman because he seems like he's really impossible to get out. Yeah, and uh, Nolan Arenado, that guy's all right, too. Yeah, he's okay. (laughs) 
Uh, okay. I'm with you. I, a good matchup here. Tyler Anderson, the one guy you didn't mention, um, I, I think he's a much better pitcher than his numbers show, but he is certainly very beatable. I think these are three matchups the Phillies can win. And, and, you know, granted, we've been saying this the last two series coming in saying, oh, well, they got the, the pitching matchup except when Eflin's on the hill and they win the two games Eflin's on the hill and lose the rest. So who the hell knows when it comes to that? Yeah, Nola, Nola versus Arenado and uh, Blackman will be cool. That'll be really cool. And look, this is a spot where, granted, they won the last game of the uh, Milwaukee series, but we talk a lot about Nola as a stopper, as a guy to go out and be that ace and give them a, a gem when they need it. This game has this team hasn't won two games in a row in a while. They've not won a series in a while. They need Aaron Nola to go out and get them off the, on the right foot in this home series against the Rockies, especially before they head out to Milwaukee for the weekend. So uh, a huge, huge series here in the, the middle of June. Jack, final thoughts before we cede the studio. Well, uh, I only tweeted like three times about the Phillies over the last four days, so I'm sorry about that. But um, I'm back now. I won't be all in on. Did you hear that sigh? Of, you could even hear the listeners. You could hear the sigh of relief that was. Coming yeah, there. they were. They She's were like, clearly worried. Oh, thank God! Yes, they were clearly worried. So don't worry, <laughs> I'm back. I will be watching every night once again. But yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, important series. Please get on back, back on track and just figure out your crap. All right, I can't. I can't take out. I can't take the the, the defense anymore. I really, it really makes me so mad. Like your major league players, play like it. Yeah, I will second that. I will also, since Jack Fritz took his time to be very egocentric and talk about his Twitter account, I'll do what Jack normally does with my final thought. Rate and review the podcast, please. It makes such a difference for us. Let us know what we are doing right, what we're doing wrong. If you like it, hate it, whatever it is, just leave a review, rate it. It also makes it a lot easier for people to find in iTunes and all that stuff. So for Jack, for me, for John, please, please, please just give us a rate and review on there. It will really go a long way so for the returned to twitter jack fritz make sure you check out those tweets again everyone that's really the big takeaway from this podcast jack fritz back and we'll be tweeting about the phillies that's all that matters we'll be back (laughs) we'll be back coming your way again later this week we'll preview the brewers series but for now it's time for the phillies to go out and take care of the rockies so hopefully we'll be talking about at least a series win hopefully a series sweep later this week either way We'll be there. And again, rate and review the podcast. For Jack Fritz, for the absent John Marks, I'm James Seltzer. We'll see you guys soon. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.